Couldn't have picked a better song this morning to go with the message if um, I looked through a thousand hymn books, I don't believe. Take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Luke. The book of Luke. It's probably not the story you're expecting for uh, a Christmas season message, but um, I think if you'll hang on, maybe we will... Uh, we will get there uh, eventually. Um, wonder how many of you remember uh, this little uh, song uh, from your childhood. Let's see if you can get that to play. <laughs> Okay, uh, you uh, were in sunbeams or preschool years ago, um, and uh, I meant to, uh, meant to tell Carol, I know we still have them, some of you remember uh, the little pictures that the preschool teachers would use uh, and uh, get the picture uh, for uh, the Zacchaeus story. Uh, obviously, Zacchaeus is a story uh, that uh, is a favorite uh, among children, uh, among preschoolers, uh, many of you, I'm sure, have uh, some fond memories of hearing uh, the story uh, of uh, Zacchaeus as a child. Uh, you may even still like it today. Uh, but uh, it's probably not one you've ever thought about uh, in, uh, in the idea or uh, in the light of a Christmas story. Uh, but it does answer for us uh, one of the main questions uh, of Christmas. Uh, and Tommy's song this morning uh, leads into that question. He came to me. Uh, why did he come? Why in the world would Jesus leave the splendor of glory? Uh, why in the world would he leave uh, heaven, the side of his Father, uh, and come here uh, to walk this earth? Uh, why would he come and, and put up with what he put up with, uh, even among his own disciples, let alone his enemies, uh, only ultimately uh, to be uh, crucified uh, and to have uh, his life uh, taken from him? And we find the answer to that question uh, at the very end uh, of the story uh, of Zacchaeus. I'm not going to uh, look at the whole text. I just want to look at uh, the last two verses uh, of uh, this story. Uh, just to remind you, in case uh, not all of you raised your hand that you sung that song uh, when you were little, uh, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Uh, and uh, tax collectors were hated uh, because they basically uh, were considered 
to be traitors. Uh, you couldn't be much lower uh, in a Jew's eye than to be a Roman tax collector. Uh, and the reason for it, uh, we've talked about this before, uh, there, there were several reasons, honestly, uh, for that uh, opinion. For one, uh, here you are a Jew collecting taxes uh, for the hated Romans. The Romans had uh, taken control uh, of Judea, of the Israel area, uh, and demanded taxes. And uh, they would hire uh, tax collectors to go around uh, and collect the taxes. But what uh, the other piece of that uh, that really made them so hated uh, was that uh, because of uh, what, the way they would operate their system uh, was they had a, a set amount to collect. Uh, say uh, Debbie's, Debbie owed $100 in taxes. Uh, she wishes that was all. Uh, say Debbie owed $100 in taxes. Uh, when the tax collector came along, um, he pretty much had the freedom uh, of charging her whatever he wanted. Uh, if he liked Debbie, uh, he could tell her, don't worry about it this year. Uh, and when he went to Melissa's house, Melissa could owe $100, and he'd say, yours is $200. And he'd get the $100 to cover Debbie's taxes. Uh, that's nice of Melissa, isn't it? Uh, or uh, he could go to both of them and say, you owe me 150 and he could put that extra hundred in his pocket. And everybody knew that. Uh, and so tax collectors were hated. Well, uh, Zacchaeus uh, had heard about uh, Jesus, no doubt. Uh, and he heard that Jesus was coming to town. Zacchaeus just had one problem that uh, some of you might be able to identify with. The Bible tells us Zacchaeus was really short. Uh, and when Jesus came to town, uh, in the crowd, Zacchaeus couldn't see. Uh, and so Zacchaeus climbs up a tree uh, so that he can see Jesus when he passes by. And that's where we have uh, this little song that came up. Jesus sees him in the tree, tells him, come down, uh, I'm going to your house today. Uh, and everybody's upset, can't believe he would go uh, to Zacchaeus' uh, house uh, and visit and stay uh, with Zacchaeus. But then... Uh, we have uh, at the end of the story, uh, Zacchaeus uh, says, I'm going to restore all that I have stolen. I'm going to give everybody right. Uh, and Jesus says these words in verse 9, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. Uh, and so uh, we're going to see if we can answer that question this morning very, uh, very simply. Uh, the cause of Christ. Why did He come? Uh, he tells us here uh, in this verse. There are several things uh, in these two verses that, uh, that show us uh, what Jesus was about. Why did uh, He come? Uh, why did He come to mankind? Why did He come to this earth? First of all, uh, we see the authority uh, that is demonstrated. Uh, when Jesus looks at, uh, at uh, Zacchaeus and he says, Today salvation uh, has come into this house. Today salvation uh, has come. Uh, it requires a great deal of authority. Everybody understands, uh, especially in that day, the words uh, that Jesus used when he said uh, that salvation has, uh, has come. They understood that uh, that meant uh, that Jesus had uh, was saying, I forgive 
forgive your sins. I forgive your sins. That, uh, and uh, we know that on another occasion uh, in uh, the, the Word of God, in fact, uh, if you uh, flip to, the, uh, to uh, another passage here, uh, just in the book of Luke, uh, the Bible tells us uh, there that uh, in Luke chapter 7, just a little bit before that, uh, it says, One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. Luke chapter 7 and verse 36, uh, he says, And he asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at a table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at a table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet, with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, kissed his feet, and anointed them uh, with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man was a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus said, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, Say it, teacher. And he goes on. And eventually, uh, he says, do you see this woman? Uh, he says, she entered my house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she's wet my feet. Uh, and eventually he gets down uh, to this point. He says, therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then who, those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this even who forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus told this woman the same thing. And we see how uh, unacceptable that was. The, uh, the Pharisees that were sitting there said, Who is he uh, to forgive sin? Who does he uh, think he is? Uh, to be here uh, trying to uh, say that he uh, can forgive sin. They understood, uh, and uh, rightfully so, uh, that only God himself uh, can forgive sin. And so when uh, Jesus says, uh, I forgive your sin, uh, they get all upset because he is claiming by saying that uh, to be God. And so when he says to Zacchaeus, same issue, uh, Zac, uh, by saying uh, that salvation uh, has come uh, to your house today, uh, then he is saying, uh, claiming to be God, claiming to have the authority uh, to forgive sin. Why uh, did Jesus come? Uh, that question is partially answered uh, in this statement. This uh, passage shows us uh, that Jesus came uh, and part of His mission uh, was uh, declaring or claiming uh, authority uh, that, he had, that He was the Son. Of God, time and time again, uh, we see Him uh, claiming to be the Son of Man, the Son of God, uh, coming to do uh, the will uh, of the Father. Uh, Jesus, uh, His purpose uh, in coming, His uh, reason for coming, uh, was to demonstrate uh, the authority uh, that He had, and if He has authority. 
uh, to forgive sin, then He has authority in every other aspect uh, of our life. If He has the authority uh, to forgive our sin, uh, then He has the authority uh, to direct our life. Uh, if we, and it sometimes uh, amazes me just a little uh, to see those uh, who are uh, who are claiming uh, salvation, who, who want to acknowledge, who want to say, uh, I am a Christian, I am a child of God, I am forgiven, uh, I believe that God has... Think about what you say when you say, I am a Christian. You are accepting uh, the authority uh, of God to forgive sin. Uh, you are accepting His right, His position to forgive sin. But yet, many who are saying uh, today, I am a Christian, I am uh, a child of God, uh, those same people don't seem to think that God has any authority in the rest of their life. Uh, you know, I, that, that we, I'll go do what I please. I'll live uh, however I choose. I'll do whatever I want. Uh, you know, and God, you know, we want to claim the authority. We want to claim the forgiveness part of it. But what we don't want to claim is that as somebody, and I don't know who said this originally, someone has said he's either king of all or he's king of nothing. Yeah, He's either king of all or he's king of nothing. He's either in control of our life or He's not. You know, and so we want that authority, but what, what He is saying, if He has the authority to forgive sins, then He has all the other authority as well. Because even the Pharisees here, uh, in the story uh, of the woman who comes uh, and anoints the head of Jesus, are acknowledging, man, you, you've got to be in charge. You've got to be God to forgive sin. You, you've got to have, you, you've got to, uh, you know, you've got to have some power. You've got to have some authority to actually forgive sin. And so, when, when they, even they acknowledge that. But we see the Pharisees are a great example. They, they say, who's he think? But they didn't want to acknowledge the rest of his authority. They didn't want him to be in charge. They didn't want to submit to him. Uh, unfortunately today, many Christians are, again, wanting to submit, wanting the forgiveness aspect of Jesus Christ, but they're not willing to allow Him to be in control. I point you back to Zacchaeus to give you a, a, an example. Jesus says today, salvation has come to your house. Look what, what, what says, uh, Zacchaeus says. Zacchaeus says, I'm going to go and restore all that I have stolen. Now, that passage of Scripture, the way it's uh, laid out, has led to some confusion for some people. Let, let's, let's clear this up. Zacchaeus says, I am going to restore everything that what I have stolen. And then Jesus says, today salvation has come to your house. Salvation did not come to, the, to Zacchaeus because he was restoring what he had stolen. Because salvation had come to Zacchaeus, he was going to restore. The salvation came first. That was the reason Zacchaeus was going to restore what had been stolen, what he had taken unlawfully and unrightfully from these people. In other words, Zacchaeus was acknowledging the authority of Jesus Christ in his life. Listen, one of the greatest needs in the church of Jesus Christ today is for us to acknowledge and accept the authority 
of Jesus Christ. In our churches, in our lives, listen, we could, we could, we could take and we could be here all day just talking about churches that are jacked up because there are people or a person um, in that church who thinks they are the authority. Got quite. Um, you know, listen, they, they are... They, 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 they think they, again, you, you've all unfortunately probably witnessed it. It may be one person, it may be a group of people, it may be a family, but man, you've got to pass stuff by. If it doesn't pass muster with them, you're going to have war. Because they think they are the authority in that church instead of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus was good enough to save them, but he's not smart enough to govern and direct our church. I, I want to point out to you what happens when this morning, and, and I, I take, again, I don't think I'm taking any credit for this because I'm not that smart, okay? I texted Tommy three weeks ago probably and asked him to sing today. Three weeks ago, Tommy? Three, two, two weeks ago? I, I, didn't have a, I didn't tell him what to sing. I had no idea what he was going to sing. I, I, you know, no clue. For all I knew, he was going to get up here. You never know about Tommy. For all I knew, he was going to get up here and sing Jingle Bells. I, you know, never know, you know what he might sing. Tommy's got a lot of good songs. I didn't, you know, didn't tell him what to sing. I finally settled for sure on this text to preach Tuesday. And he came to me and then to stand up and preach a text that says, I come to seek and to save that which is lost. When instead of man trying to be in charge and govern, we allow the Holy Spirit and God to work, it's amazing what will happen. Listen, Jesus here is expressing, first of all, He came and demonstrated and expressed, shared, showed, whatever words you want to use, the authority that He has. If He has, again, if He has the authority to forgive sin, then everything else falls under that. Because He has the authority to forgive sin, then He has the authority to say to Lazarus, laying in a tomb, Lazarus, come forth. Because He has the authority to say, uh, I forgive your sins, then He has the authority to say to the blind man, go to the pool and wash your eyes and his sight be restored. Because He has the authority to say, I forgive your sins, He has the authority to look at the demon-possessed man and tell the demons, go and, and infest, go into that flock of pigs, or whatever you call a group of pigs over there. Go over there into those pigs. Because He has the authority to say to, to sin, you are forgiven. He has the authority to say to the storms and the wind and the wave, peace be still. Amen. 
And because He has the authority to forgive your sin, He has the authority to say, Peace be still in your life. Because He has the authority to say, Your sins are forgiven. He has the authority to say, This is what I expect in your life. So you can't have that kind of authority and not have, you know, the underlying authority, when Jesus says to him, I have forgiven your sin, he's expressing the ultimate layer of authority, the ultimate level of power, of rights, of uh, the ability to say, again, to the storm, to the disease, to the blind, to the deaf, to the mute, to the crippled. Why did he come? He demonstrated His authority. He demonstrated His authority. We see the authority demonstrated. Next we see uh, the authority demonstrated within the provision delivered. Look what He says. He says, Today salvation has come to your house. Today salvation has come to your house. Listen. We pretty much, I think, all understand the term salvation. Salvation is, for the most part, a term, a word that has been commandeered by the Christian church. You don't hear much of anybody talk about salvation, even in, in, in any real secular sense of the word. It's a word that, as Christians, we have pretty well, <laughs> we, we've pretty well trademarked it. You know, we, we've pretty well laid hold to the word Christian. Or even, really, even religion in general. Maybe not just Christianity, but even other religions have pretty well, we, we've laid claim to the word salvation. And pretty much, <coughs> even though I may disagree no, even though I disagree, I do disagree with other world religions. Even those world religions, their understanding of salvation is fairly well the same thing. They, they get there a different way. But the ultimate goal of salvation is forgiveness of sins and go to heaven when you die. Now again... The world religions have all kinds of different explanations for how that happens. But salvation, when, when Jesus says today, salvation is come to this house. Even today, 2,000 years later, we weren't at Zacchaeus' house. We weren't standing by the road when the little fella climbed up in the tree. Yeah, we weren't standing there when the little fella jumped down. But even today, you don't have to study biblical languages. You don't have to get out your Bible dictionary, your commentary, your encyclopedia. You don't have to call a friend. You know what it means when Jesus says, Salvation has come to this house today. You understand that term. It's a term that uh, means, again, pretty much to anybody that 
they have been delivered from the power of sin, from the grips of Satan, from the destiny, uh, from the eternal destiny of a separation from God and being tormented for eternity in a lake of fire. We understand what the provision was. It is, the, the other side of that is not just what it is a deliverance from, but now what Zacchaeus possesses. Uh, the, the term salvation, if you think about your salvation, and, and <clears throat> unfortunately it's something I don't think Christians do enough of, to be honest with you. I don't think we contemplate and consider the magnitude and the greatness of our salvation enough. I think if we did, we'd be different people. I think if we did, we'd have to drag out more chairs. I think if we did, we'd have to pave some more of our ten acres to have more parking. Us and every other church in town. If we would contemplate a little bit more this provision that came to Zacchaeus' house, this provision that if you know Jesus Christ, come to your house. It's not just that Zacchaeus... You know, how many of you... And I'm not going to throw a rock at you. I really am not. I, how many of you have ever tried to... Or, or you were successful in trying to quit smoking? Again, I'm not going to throw a rock at you. I don't... I, I, you know. When you quit smoking, how many of you started eating? Yeah. You know, I've heard you know, people say that. Yeah. That... that you know, not just smoking, that's the one that comes to mind, but a, a lot of people you hear, when they give up one habit, they pick up a new one. Yeah. They, 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 they give up this. In fact, there, there's some research on, uh, on how the mind works that to successfully give up a bad habit, you have to start a new one. Yeah. Uh, just don't start a new bad habit. Yeah. Start a new good habit. Well, that's the beauty of the provision when Jesus says salvation has come to your house. He's saying, Zacchaeus, you are no longer in sin. You are no longer under control of Satan. You are no longer destined for an eternity separated from God. You are no longer bound for hell. You are no longer that person. You are now, as the New Testament says, a new person. You can give up. You're that bad habit is going to leave you. Now you are a child of the King. Now you are destined for eternity with God, not separated from God. And immediately we see Zacchaeus is that new creature, this man who has known nothing but being a dirtbag, being a scoundrel, being a thief, being a liar, immediately is changed. and says, I'm going to go restore all that I have taken. We don't spend enough time thinking about the provision, the beauty of our salvation, the change that God has made in us. That's why I, you know, that's why I, I, I love that, that song. Uh, Tommy sings it, uh, Thanks to Calvary. Yeah. Well, what, a, what a great song that describes the provision of salvation. 
what God has done in changing us. Zacchaeus was a new man because of what he had done. You see the pursuit. Why did he come? He came to demonstrate his authority. He came for that provision. He came for this pursuit. He came for this reason, to seek the lost. I know the Bible says to seek and to save that which was lost. In the original language, the way the words work is that which was lost belongs both to the seek and the save. He came to seek that which was lost and to save that which was lost. would be a, a, a completely, totally, be a little wordy way to say it, but a completely accurate way of saying it. He came to seek that which was lost. We don't spend enough time contemplating that great thought. That he came to seek that which was lost. He came to seek that which was lost. You know what was lost? You were. Or you are. If you don't know Jesus Christ. And He came to seek you. He came looking for you. Tommy song a moment ago. When I couldn't go to where He was, He came to me. When I told Him it was too far, He came to me. What a beautiful statement. How, how can we ever... Look at a cradle. How can we ever look at a cross the same way again to know that Jesus left the splendor of heaven for one reason, to seek that which was lost. Come looking for you. Listen, this verse, verse, verse 10 of chapter 19, it is the key, it is the focal, it is the main verse. Mark it in your Bible. It is the highlight of the book of Luke. It is the, the most important verse. And I want, to know, I want you to know something that's kind of... Some of you may think so what, but I want you to know something about it. The... How many of you remember syllables in English? Remember syllables? I know some of you are going, I don't want to remember English. Remember it anyway. You remember syllables, right? I want you to listen to that verse. The Son of Man came to seek that which it seek and save, excuse me, that which was lost. Notice anything about that verse? Diane's gonna be real shy, but she just went I don't know if she's telling me I'm number one or she's asking to be excused or exactly what, but I'm thinking she means they're all one syllable words. Jesus wanted you to be sure you got that. He didn't use any big words. I remember being told when I first started preaching, something I try, I don't always get it right, but I try to remember, I've tried to remember it for 30 some years now. Don't mean to offend anybody here, but somebody told me, said preach to the dumbest person in the church. If you do, everybody will understand what you're talking about. If you preach to the smartest one, he'll be the only one that gets it. I'm not going to tell you who I'm preaching to this morning. Um, Jesus wanted to make sure you got that. He didn't use any big words. 
one-syllable words, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came looking for me. You know what's funny? I didn't even know I was lost. I thought I was, I thought I was good. I thought I was fine. I thought everything was going well. The word seek, the Greek word that is used there, it implies serious effort. Have you ever lost, I don't even need, I know the answer. you ever lost a sock? I am convinced somewhere in the world all the lost socks are sitting on an aisle. You remember the island of misfit toys in the story of Rudolph? I'm convinced somewhere there's an island of misfit socks. And they're all just sitting laughing, going, look, they can't find me. Yeah. How hard do you actually look for that missing sock? Yeah, probably not real hard. Now, let's assume you lost your car keys or your paycheck. One of your children wanders off. I remember years ago when we lived in the parsonage, one of my children, who shall go unnamed, shall they, Caleb, uh, decided to go visit the neighbors and didn't tell anybody. And he was in the house and we couldn't see him and we couldn't find him. Ruth Whittington had to be at the church working on flowers. She's outside running around. <laughs> Help, you know, I mean, everybody's panicking. Yeah. Where is Caleb? Who else can afford to feed him? Yeah. Where is he? Yeah. Isn't there a difference in losing a sock and losing a kid, losing your car keys? Anybody else in here ever had a kid wander off? It gets your attention quick, won't it? Do you understand that when Jesus came looking for you, he was looking for one of his lost children? He was like the shepherd who left the 99 to go find the one. Why did he come? He didn't come for the scenery, folks. He didn't come for the food. He sure didn't come for the hospitality. He came looking for you. He came seeking you. He came looking for you. Listen, when we see Zacchaeus' changed life, it ends with this great summary of a changed man. Come to seek and to save. Come to seek and to save that which was lost. See, had you lived in Jericho, you would have said Zacchaeus was beyond finding. Zacchaeus was beyond hope. But Jesus came and found him. And he wants to find you. He came to seek. He came looking. You see his purpose here that is declared. Why is he looking for us? To save that which is lost. If you go back to the Old Testament, even in the Old Testament, in the book of Ezekiel, if you go back there, it says, I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up uh, the 
injured, and I will strengthen the weak. Jesus came looking for you. He came looking for you so he could save you. He didn't say, Zacchaeus, come down out of that tree, I'm going to your house, because he wanted a dinner at Zacchaeus' house. Because of Zacchaeus' sparkling conversation, he invited Zacchaeus out of that tree because he left heaven for Zacchaeus. Had Zacchaeus been the only lost man on earth, Jesus Christ would have left heaven and came to find Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was Jesus' mission number one. Zacchaeus, come down. I've been looking for you. I want you to know something today. He's looking for you because he wants to save that which was lost. He wants to rescue us. I love one of my favorite hymns is Rescue the Perishing. He wants to rescue the perishing. Is he looking for you? You know, and it hadn't been the intent today to really talk much about Zacchaeus. But something possessed Zacchaeus that day to leave behind his tax collecting and go climb a tree and find Jesus. There was something stirring in him that he couldn't explain. There was something in his heart, in his mind. He had heard the stories of Jesus And grown men just don't climb trees that often. There was something stirring in Zacchaeus that told him, I need to see this Jesus. I don't exactly know who he is or what he can do or why I need to see him, but I need to see him. See, I don't think Zacchaeus climbed that tree thinking, I'm lost and on my way to hell, and if I can find Jesus, I'll go to heaven. I don't believe that. I think Zacchaeus just knew. He had heard the stories, and there was something. Like the woman who just reached out with the issue of blood and touched the hem of his garment. There was something in him that just said to him, you need to see Jesus. You need to get to Jesus. And so he climbed a tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus. Just to get a sight of Jesus. This morning, do you feel a little bit like Zacchaeus? Maybe you're here, maybe you're online. But you just feel a little uneasy. You just know something's wrong, something's missing. Can I tell you what it is? And the simplest way I know to put it is like this. Inside the heart of every man is a hole that nothing else can fill but Jesus Christ. There's a round hole that a square peg just won't fit. You can try drugs, you can try fame, you can try fortune, you can try all kinds of things. 
But nothing will satisfy that hunger. Nothing will satisfy. You ever been in a kitchen like that? You go into the kitchen and you open the cabinet door and you look and it's just not there. You open the just you open the refrigerator, it's just not there. You lower your standards and you go back and you open the cabinet and you open the cabinet and you, and you know you finally decide, well, I'm gonna eat this. And you eat a little bit. Nah, that ain't it. And so you go back and you get, ah, that ain't it. Before long, you've tasted everything in the cabinet looking for whatever it is. Can I tell you what it is in your life? It is Jesus Christ. You can try everything. Some of you, there are people in here who can stand up and testify to that truth. You've tried everything. There are people who have tried drugs. There are people who have tried fame, tried sex, tried alcohol, money, You name it, and they were still something missing. What you need is a glimpse of Jesus, just like Zacchaeus. Listen, that's what Christmas is about. That's why he came. That's why he came. That's why he came. Listen, he didn't come so we could swap around a bunch of presents, hang up a bunch of lights, have parades. Oh, that's cool. I don't have anything against it. But he came so you could get a glimpse of Jesus. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. Our musicians are going to come. Whether you're in this room, whether you're online, wherever you are, whether you're listening to this, watching this, recorded later, That emptiness in your heart can only be filled by the presence of Jesus Christ. If you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior today, you're here, would you come? And let me show you how you can know Him. And salvation can come to your house too. And your life can be changed just like Zacchaeus. You're online. Send us a message, phone call, email, something. Reach out. Love to talk to you about how you can know this Jesus. Christians in the room, have you really meditated and contemplated on why Jesus came? What a way to start our Christmas celebration, our Christmas season, by taking a moment and kneeling, saying, Lord, I want to thank you. Not for all the pretty decorations and the gifts and the parades and the family gatherings, but I want to thank you for your provision, for what you did for me, for your salvation when you came to this earth so you could die on an old rugged cross. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. God, we ask you to touch hearts. God, there are people listening. There are people watching who need to know Jesus as their Savior, who need to ask Jesus Christ to come into their heart. Father, we pray, Lord, today that you'd stir hearts, convict them. Let them see that nothing will bring them peace. Nothing will bring them happiness until they find you. Until they submit to you as their Lord and Savior. God, I pray this morning that Christians 
online all over this building. God, that our heart would be stirred. God, our minds would be challenged to remember the great provision. God, to remember the sacrifice, what you came for and what you delivered us from. We'll give you the honor for what you do today. For it's in Jesus' wonderful name I pray. Amen.